Welcome to episode 80 of the GameBots Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode, Christian and I both watched the Disney movie John Carter, and Christian watched the new series Warrior Nun. But first, Christian, you and I both watched John Carter. Now, this was released in, I forget to look it up, it was what, 2012, 2013? That sounds about right, yeah. Uh, directed by Lynn Stanton, and it's starring Taylor Kitsch and Lynn Collins, both who are actually in X-Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> huh. Yeah, little little trivia. Uh, she played the love interest to Wolverine, and he played Gambit. <laughs> oh, man. I haven't seen Taylor Kitsch very much. I usually like him. I liked him less in this, I think, than I, I do normally. I, I I liked him in Friday Night Lights. He played Tim Riggins, and that's mostly what I know him from. I knew he was in X-Men, and then I knew he was in this, and then he hasn't been in too much else. Like, he does maybe a movie or an appearance a year since this. Yeah, he was in one of the seasons, the second season of True Detective, I think. Right. Um, and he was in a movie called American Assassin with Dylan O'Brien and Michael Keaton that I really like. He played the bad guy, but yeah, otherwise, not not a big name. And honestly, when this movie came out, I thought like he was on the way to, to becoming a big name. Yeah. But, I mean, we'll get into it later, but this movie ended up bombing at the <laughs> box office. Yeah, this is this was pretty rough. I, I have to tell a, a story real quick, actually, about uh, adjacent to this movie. Our movie theater wanted to, to double it up with something else after its like second week because it made so little money. And Disney told us that it either runs in a theater by itself or it it's not going to run at all. And so the owner said, well, I guess it's not running at all because it's not making us any money. And the same thing happened with uh, one other movie that had come out around the same time. And so when it came time for Avengers, they I guess Disney holds a grudge because they didn't want to offer us Avengers. And the owner of the theater had to like call and, and apologize for getting rid of Disney movies so much. Oh my god, that's so petty because this movie did so <laughs> poorly in the box office. Yeah, it was pretty. It was a it was a rough run for everybody. You you know what's weird, and we'll get into it in, in the end of this. But honestly, like for everyone being like this movie bombed, we've watched movies that have had way worse bombs. Like Aftermath, yeah, didn't even make a million dollars. Yeah, I guess it's just it had an insane budget. Yeah, the budget was crazy, and I think Disney has just come to expect a certain result from their movies. Right. So this is actually based on Ed, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs' novels. Um, I've never read any of them. I was sort of interested after I watched this, but I never got around to it. And it's based on John Carter of Mars, which I saw in your notes. I thought this was also called John Carter of Mars, but everything I see is now it's just John Carter. It definitely was. They they for sure rebranded at some point because I'm a hundred percent sure the posters we had at the movies were John Carter of Mars. Because and it says it says it at the end. The like the the closing title card says John Carter of Mars. Okay, because I I was like wondering, and it's one of those things where I was like, oh, maybe I just saw that was the book series and I had misremembered it. But that, yeah, that threw me off. <laughs> so what is the premise of this? It's pretty weird, but so Edgar Rice Burroughs also wrote the Tarzan series, so it's similar to that in like the fish out of water kind of situation. Um, so John Carter is the this cavalryman for the Confederacy of the United States, and 
gets kind of accidentally sucked from Earth out to Mars and then has to try and live his life on Mars. Let's start on a couple of things from him living (laughs) on Earth that did not make sense to me. And one of them was he was like searching for gold and the general store owner basically was like, I'm not selling you anything to pan for gold, which would never happen because general store like workers back in gold rushes were basically profiteers. Yeah, for sure. But he he rolled into that store and he's like, I need supplies. And the guy said no. And then he, he started like a big fight about it. And then at the end of the scene, he just pays him. Like, he had, he had gold. He had it all along. Why wouldn't you have just walked in there and been like, oh, I can, pay my, I can pay my tab. I need some more stuff. Check out this gold I found. So this movie has a lot of big names in it. Not that you would necessarily know, because I think almost all of them are either completely CG or, like, in makeup and prosthetics. I mean, Brian Cranston looks like George Custer. <laughs> oh, yeah, he had, the, like, the big bushy mustache and the beard. Right. Uh, oh man did you like any of the scenes from when he was on earth not really i mean i guess the the scene where he keeps trying to escape and failing like i did laugh he would keep attacking people and then it would be like a smash cut to him getting thrown back in jail yeah i i did think that was kind of funny and it's one of those things though there were a couple things i noticed in this movie that i picked out and i was like oh yeah this is like they're clearly swinging for a joke on it and was like that smash cut of that and i wish they had used that like later on at some point because he he gets captured a lot oh yeah for sure that's yeah this movie tonally didn't i feel like didn't really understand what it wanted to be it was trying to walk the line between like action and comedy but it wasn't doing it very deftly no and like I said, like I liked Taylor Kitchen um, in Friday Night Lights. I'm I kind of see why they didn't give him too many lines in this movie though, because anytime <laughs> he had something a bit longer, uh, somewhere in my notes, I'm sure I'll run over it. I wrote down his specific lines, and I was like, oh my gosh, that was delivered so flatly. Yeah, even the the big speech he gives to the green people towards the end when he he becomes their leader for some reason, and. I, I I wouldn't have been inspired by that. No. Uh, so I have a question for you because I don't think they ever address this. They go into a cave and it has a machine that transmits John Carter's conscience and makes a copy of him on Mars. Um, yeah, it's like a fact. I was actually pretty interested in this because they reference that like, oh, it's like a telegraph line. And when I had saw this movie, I was reading some physics book or whatever that had like talked about the idea of like maybe the future of light travel really isn't you going in a ship it's transmitting data and stuff i'm curious if edgar rice burroughs actually had these ideas back in what like the late 1800s early 1900s or if this was like updated for future audiences yeah i feel like it almost has to have been but you never know like telegram was around and that is how that functions you don't you don't physically send the like you don't physically send the the message you just send information and then it prints a new version of the message so i mean you never know but that is something that that i've i've also been reading not recently but uh like a a teleporter would would it like kill you and reassemble a new version of you somewhere else right and i and if he did actually write about that that i am 
pretty impressed by like older sci-fi then and it's kind of cool that ideas have been drawn upon that for over 100 years at that point but i I was wondering if you heard anything because i know you are more into science than i am (laughs) no not not on this in particular did speaking of though of edgar rice burroughs did you notice that the the kid that he left his estate to was supposed to be edgar rice burroughs yeah that was another thing where it was definitely like disney being like nudge nudge see that's the guy who wrote this (laughs) at the very end yeah, I don't know if I noticed that the first time around, but oh really? Yeah, I I had just I picked it up this time, and at, at the end he says, "Oh, you know, maybe you should write a book." <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you know why the whatever the main bad guys are seem to be some sort of either interdimensional? Well, they can't be interdimensional because they killed them, but some <laughs> higher immortal beings that have built transmission and relay stations around our solar system. Why did they build one on Earth? Because they didn't seem to be interested in Earth at all. Yeah, I don't know. They. It looked like there were like nine solar systems. Because when they went into that cave and it had the nine rays, and when you stepped on one, it like zoomed in and it was just our solar system. Right. And the guy says. Mark, I'm the bad guy is Mark Strong, who I never in a million years would have remembered was in this, but he says something about how they help the planet to die, or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, it was it was very convoluted. They just it seemed like they were they were watching a movie, and the movie was just the universe, and they wanted the story to go how they wanted the story to go. So they would zap into places and like meddle with history and and you know kings and things i got the kind of the impression when taylor kitsch asked if he knew what virginia was and he said not as not very well but i will that maybe earth just wasn't advanced enough for them to be bothering with it yet yeah which is weird because mars is is, it like portions of the martian society are very advanced and then portions of it are not yeah, well, they have a, a mortal engines machine where they have a city that, like, walks around the planet. Dude, I saw that, and, like, I, I put that in my notes, and I was like, are we in the mortal engines universe right now? <laughs> yeah, I I swear, even in Willem Dafoe's voiceover at the beginning, they said Predator Cities, and that, that, that was the first thing, because that's what they call them in, in mortal engines was the great Predator Cities, and I was, I, I, like froze for a second like this they can't actually be doing this right right they they do but these like you know um not even omnipotent like they're just alien beings i don't know what you would even call them because they can be killed by bullets (laughs) yeah so they don't age but they're not necessarily immortal they're right they they're still mortal beings they just never get they never die like naturally but they can also shapeshift and disappear because there's a lot of scenes where like they're talking to someone and no one else sees them. Yeah, that was real weird. I I didn't know if that's something they can naturally do, or if it's something because they were all wearing those fancy wristbands that that could do like magic. Yeah, I was real unclear on the scope of their abilities or or what they were, or if they were like an emissary for a more powerful being because they like it was always the same actor but he's always talking to his brothers who look like him 
It's too bad we'll never get a sequel and find out. Oh, yeah, this movie, unfortunately, will never have a sequel. <laughs> uh, I do like, and this is very much like old sci-fi literature, is John Carter's special ability is he can jump real good. Mm-hmm. That's like what impresses everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so because of the the decreased gravity on Mars, which there is definitely decreased gravity on Mars, but I don't know to what extent. I, I should have Googled to see what kind of like a jumper you could be if you dude it is not i do not believe it is to the extent that john carter was jumping around probably not i mean he he was clearing seas (laughs) this man is the real life mario on mars (laughs) and then i guess he has he has some super strength essentially which seems a little crazy did you hear them try and explain it they're like you have a denser bone structure that's why <laughs> I, yeah, I guess that's. I kept. I don't know. I I trip myself up sometimes when I think about it because I like a rock is still. It's not like you're throwing people around where they would be lighter, but like, I guess the rocks would be lighter too. They're so pretty heavy. Like he had some big rocks, yeah. and he just like the things too is like he like would break chains, which. Granted, he's stronger, but I don't think how the chain, like the the bonds between the chains, are weaker on Mars than they are on Earth. Yeah, that that's the one that kind of falls flat. <laughs> Dude, I don't know, but I mean, regardless, he has these powers, and also his other ability is he is not like disturbed at all when he wakes up, can jump really well, and then he meets an entire race of four armed green aliens. Not freaked out really at all. And somehow doesn't realize he's on another planet for like 45 more minutes in the movie. It takes him so long. And he's seeing a lot of weird stuff that is nothing like where he came from. What do you mean I'm I'm on the fourth planet from the sun? That's crazy. And like, dude, look around you. There are flying machines that look like dragonflies. Yeah, these guys are all seven feet tall. They're green. They have four arms and tusks. Where did you think you were? It's like not even that. Like all the other creatures are weird. There's like this salamander piranha dog that can run really quickly. I love that thing. The thing is cool. But like, you're (laughs) right, man. Like there's so much weird stuff that at the very least he should have been thinking like, am I in like the same I guess, like, plane of existence? You know, like, clearly he is not on Earth. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I was trying to think about that, too, because I saw in your notes, like, wh- how, how did it take him this long? But I don't know if I can just chalk it up to this is Civil War era America. Nobody really knows what's out there. But, I mean, at no, a certain... Civil War America, you have at least been to calif like there have been people in california yeah and at a certain point it's no longer like oh wow we met a, a another tribe of native americans they've got green skin <laughs> forearms and tusks like that that at a certain point people are people you have to start being surprised by something right like there is so much so much like that had happened to him that is just like this isn't normal like, I, I might get it if he saw one weird animal, you know, and he's like, oh, that's weird. He meets entire, like, thousands of, like, like this, the, the, I forget their name, the Thun, not the Thunes, the, but the green people, like, there were yeah. thousands of them. Oh, man. I'm sure it didn't help his, like, uh, oh, God. I'm sure it didn't help his confusion 
that he woke up on Mars, but Mars basically just looked like Arizona, which is where he was before. <laughs> uh, Arizona with a slightly different lens filter. Yeah, this. I mean, this movie was for sure just filmed in Arizona. Like, the Martian landscape is crazy, and I guess, like, Arizona and Utah is a, a decent approximation, but, yeah, to, to wander out of that cave and, and look around, I'm not really... I might not necessarily notice. Right. <laughs> Dude... Uh, speaking of like just how weird some of these choices were, they one of this when the aliens caught him, and they basically make him hang out with their horses. <laughs> did you notice they like shave him? Yeah, yeah, Why? that was a weird choice. Why would they shave him? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they were checking to see if there were tusks under his beard. Yeah. Right. Oh man. <laughs> the the part that got me with where he's introduced to the the alien tribe was they take they they hatch i guess all their eggs become babies in like a hatchery together then they bring them all back to the city and drop all these babies on the ground and all the moms have to like fight to get one so that's i guess i didn't pay enough attention were those the babies of the aliens or were those like their rhinoceros horses i'm pretty sure those were baby aliens Oh wow, that is crazy then. <laughs> because they all end up going to the same group. How are you like they don't mark them? How are they going to tell the one they picked is theirs? Well, that's they're not. That's the when uh when it's revealed that that one is the leader's daughter, that's supposed to be like scandalous that they're they're not supposed to have like family lines. Everybody just belongs to the tribe. Yeah. So, yeah, when they but when they dropped that down, I, I wrote in my notes, where is it? I wrote in my notes, Black Friday at the Martian Baby Walmart, because they straight up, like, dropped these saddlebags full of babies on the ground, and all these people just started attacking each other to try and claim one. It was like TVs at Best Buy. Yeah. Uh, so, eventually, we... Um... After all of this of him getting acclimated with the aliens and somehow ingratiating himself, uh, Lynn Stanton shows up. Oh, or sorry, not Lynn Stanton. Lynn Collins shows up, and I before that he learns to speak because they give him like Martian milk. Oh man, that was so weird. Yeah, that that was weird. They're like, For, you yeah. can hear Mars singing. For the first fifteen to twenty minutes of him being on Mars, he can't communicate with anybody, and then yeah, they make him drink something and all of a sudden everyone's speaking english basically what do you think of the joke of them keep calling him virginia <laughs> i thought it was kind of cute it's like one where i was like oh yeah they're definitely like we're fit we're fitting this joke in here yeah there's there's an old story and i don't know if it's true or not but it's something i, I heard a while back and it was kangaroos are called kangaroos because one of the the white people that landed in australia asked somebody what is this and the the indigenous person said kangaroo, which meant I don't know, or like I don't <laughs> understand you. And they were like, "Oh, it's called a kangaroo." That's great. Uh, so yeah, the, I mean the Virginia bit I I did like. I thought that was funny, and I also liked how they all kind of had to struggle to pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, so eventually, Lynn Collins comes in, and, and Taylor Kitsch basically saves her, uh, and we are briefly introduced to the main villain. And then he comes back here. He basically has a super weapon that lets him disintegrate anything he points it at. Yeah, it's like a beam of pure energy. We also haven't haven't mentioned yet that 
there are like three factions of of civilizations on Mars, and two of them are just humans. Yeah, uh, one are I think darker skinned humans. I think they're calling them like the red people or whatever. Uh, then there's like the science faction, and then there's just like green aliens. <laughs> yeah, that's so he meets the aliens, the the green ones first, and that's kind of what you would expect to find on Mars. But yeah, then the the two people that are warring with each other, they're just humans. Yeah, it's well, even I guess even within the green alien race, there's different tribes because you eventually meet like a much more savage and bulkier tribe than the the skinny tribe you meet initially, who seems to converse with people the other ones just seem feral yeah and oh man he murders them at an unbelievable rate yeah well (laughs) in that scene he kills so many of them but also they're like flashing between him digging his wife's grave i don't think those two scenes (laughs) fit together narratively no not necessarily (laughs) but i mean can we talk about the fact that there's a lot of just straight up killing in this movie. Oh yeah, which which is why it's a little bit weird. It's a Disney movie, but yeah, there's a lot of death in this. I was shocked because I didn't really remember. But he breaks into that party after he breaks out of his jail cell at the at the Green People's place, and he hits some guy and knocks him across a room and into like a step. And the guy, the leader, stands up and says, "Oh, you killed him with one blow." And I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god." <laughs> Well, I mean, also in the very beginning, for any of the like of their people that hadn't hatched, they just killed them all. Oh yeah, they just they shot their own babies. They said they're weak. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, there is a lot of death in this, especially like people. There's they never show up as like you see shadows of people being ripped in half or decapitations. Yeah, that was wild. I gasped when that that whatever it was, the monster grabbed that woman and ripped her in half. The the white believe. the white ape. Yeah, the great white ape. Yeah. I was so sure that that was just supposed to be like Earth people, and then when they showed up, I was like, oh, yes. Yeah, the, I mean, that was actually... That's the scene I they showed so much of that scene in previews, and that's kind of what I was expecting more of the movie to be, and then it wasn't... I mean, it is that to a certain extent, but it, it definitely goes in a different direction. Like, I thought we were going to get way more alien species. I was wondering, I meant to look this up too, I was wondering if they were marketing that because a lot of movies have had like Colosseum-like scenes like that. As soon as they chained him up, it, I, I was getting like Attack of the Clones vibes mm-hmm. where they're all chained up and fed to monsters or straight up just Gladiator. So I, I don't know if they looked at this and they said, this is this scene is action-packed, let's put it in all of our like marketing materials yeah I, I mean yeah i don't know i i feel like that's just because that, my guess is they spent a lot of money on cgi that on that because you have the aliens and the white apes yeah this movie is so heavily cgi yeah 50 like percent oh, of the cast <laughs> yeah which is i'm sure where the budget went yeah it has to have been man I, I, I should I will look this up actually cut this part I want to see like how this budget compares to Avengers <laughs> because they came out roughly the same time yeah I will I will leave you in suspense <laughs> uh, so uh, he eventually you know he meets the 
Lynn Collins, and they get away from the alien tribe. And there's like a whole sub story of the alien chief has his daughter, and John Carter is supposed to save her. But he, and I feel like we're supposed to have an emotional connect there. But like John Carter never treats the alien daughter like an actual partner, and nope. so and the in the end when they when she cares about him, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No, I I agree. She's treated like luggage for the most part. I mean, he values the piranha dog more than her. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Oh boy, and don't even get me started on the. Uh, they're called Tharks. The Thark Justice System, the green aliens. <laughs> so they go into the Coliseum, and like we said, like he kills two great white ups, and all of a sudden he's like, yep, I'm going to challenge the guy who overthrew my friend to be the leader of the Tharks. Invalidly, the leader goes, you're not a Thark. How can you challenge me? And they don't. They just seem to gloss over that entirely. The The old leader says, oh, I, like, I promoted him to a warrior, like three days ago so he's he's fine he's one of us can we point out this entire movie is like a week long <laughs> i had that in my notes at the end so yeah the of, of course the princess and john carter do end up getting married and i i wrote straight up at the end they have known each other for like five days yeah like he got over his wife pretty quickly after meeting her <laughs> yeah i don't I guess he gets bonus chops since he did, like, save their entire society, but that was shockingly fast. Yeah, like, he basically conquers a planet in five days. (laughs) (laughs) He, like, convinces the Tharks to go to, like, against, like, these guys who have flying machines, and he has a death ray. He convinces them to go to war, and I have to imagine they were, they had to have been outnumbered. I would guess. But I think you're forgetting something. What, what did I forget? He's got jumping powers. Oh yeah, I mean that. That's <laughs> he gets caught at one point, and he puts those to good use to go see the princess and get caught a second time. <laughs> yeah, almost immediately <laughs> by somebody else, though. This man gets caught like five times in this movie. <laughs> it's like a whole personality trait. Yeah. So Us. his whole his whole shtick through this entire movie, even when he's on Earth and then when he goes to Mars and finds out there's war on Mars too, it's like his entire personality is built around being non-interventionalist. And so anywhere he goes, they say, oh, you're a good warrior, you have to fight for us. And he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm all good. And I feel like you need more depth than that for a protagonist. Yeah, enti- the entirety of it is based on the assumption that he's mad because his wife and kid were killed while he was out fighting for the South during the Civil War. But they never, like, explicitly say that. True. He just comes home one day and their their cabin had been burned down with them in it, so who knows what actually happened. Right, and, and are we assuming, like, like, it leads you to think, like, did because he's very disillusioned did the north do that do the south do that was it bandits like it's very up in the air i was interested in why and i'm sure it was written this way in the original novel but i'm interested in why disney decided to make the protagonist of their movie a confederate soldier oh well i mean i would just assume that's what edgar rice burroughs made him to be i mean so he's from virginia my guess is like you know you're you're evoking uh robert e lee vibes or something like that when you write it like a very good soldier like you know he had 
the best trained uh, battalions and all and all that stuff. So that's my guess as to why that was chosen. Yeah, it was just an interesting. I I did not remember that at all that he was a Civil War soldier. Yeah, I guess normally like when you see stuff like this, you you generally see like the North are the good guys. But I also recently watched um Good Bad and the Ugly, and that like a lot of that undertone is Civil War stuff as well, and they go mm. into like they focus on the south a lot more than i re- had remembered um when i watched it a couple years ago um you have a note in here and i, I don't know who this guy is but on his prison escape uh what was the guard's name who helped him because that was actually what i thought was the funniest scene of the movie and that <laughs> guy was not in the movie at all after that agreed i don't know his character name he says it very briefly and he describes himself as laughing so and so which i didn't really care for that um but the actor is james purfoy and i've seen him in a number of things and he's always been really really good he's i'm I'm always happy to see him so when he got off the like the flying ship at the beginning i was like oh yes james purfoy's in this and he has maybe like 10 minutes of actual screen time which is a bummer the final battle is i don't actually understand the the bad guy and the thunes plan because he's like i need to get this woman here i'm going to marry her in the city of helium which is like the scientist's capital city but then i'm going to murder everyone and also everyone's going to attack the gates this plan makes no sense to me if he wants to conquer, like, this capital. By marrying, he just takes control of that whole city. Correct. So the fight would have been pointless. Yeah, I don't understand why he does it at all. Yeah, it's pretty silly. But then uh, the, the the Mark Strong interdimensional people want her to get killed because she's close to discovering the Ninth Ray, which I guess is, like, an energy source and they don't i guess like they're the only ones that want that power so they have to kill her but again they could just personally kill her because we see them try to kill john carter they just for for like story purposes want the main antagonist to do it that's pretty silly because they have Uh, they have so much like weird magic power they can just paralyze people right they're they're very powerful creatures, which is why it's funny they you can just shoot them. <laughs> um, also, in the final scene, the entire movie, the ninth ray, which is I think what they call the guy's super weapon. Now that now that you brought that up, he's been using it as a gun. And the final scene with John Carter, he decides to turn it into like a sword. Uh, uh yeah, he has a lightsaber basically. <laughs> right, like why not? <laughs> just start blasting like you have this thing that like just disintegrates anyone it would be so easy there there's a lot of silly tropes like that in this which is probably part of the reason it didn't get great reviews uh like the mark strong kidnaps john carter and just basically takes him on a tour of town and explains his evil plan the the bad guy fails to kill the good guy like six times kind of just because right Oh, man. I mean, obviously he saves the day, and then he ends up getting... He ends up being like, I want to stay on Mars forever, so he throws away his key to get out. Uh, and, and then he gets sent back to Earth. But how long 
was he on Mars before he got sent back to Earth? Because it, they made it seem like it it had been a while. Like he got married, and she because she says something like, "Oh, you're not able to sleep again" or whatever. But then when he gets sent back, how the the main Thune guys get close to him and they're like, "Thank you for saving helium." Like that's not something you'd say months or years after the fact. It's pretty unclear. Because when he gets zapped back to Earth again, Brian Cranston is a skeleton. Right. In a very arid place with no predators. <laughs> Brian, Brian Cranston followed him into that cave, and he'd been shot, I think, or stabbed. Mm-hmm. He but got shot. Are we to then believe that he just sat there and died? think so like he didn't he didn't try to stand up and and get anywhere he just sat in that cave and was like well john john's soul left his body i guess this is my place to go to right it's it's one of those things where like he was shot in the stomach so you know probably didn't have that long to live but you think he would have tried something that was that was an interesting choice (laughs) Uh, and so and then actually i like this part of the movie because like you were right this is like a mini heist where you lead up to the reveal and you look at what john carter been doing for the last 10 years because for the first like 10 minutes of the movie it's uh edgar rice burrow as a child or i guess as like a young man is coming into his uncle's estate who's very wealthy and has been exploring the world and you're like what's going on here you finally get the explanation of that yeah and so he has essentially tricked the the space wizards into thinking that he had a medallion and went back to mars so that edgar rice burroughs will inadvertently draw in one of the space wizards so that he can actually steal their medallion yeah it's a good plan and john carter has not aged at all in 10 years no not even a little bit (laughs) he's also, in this, we're led to believe that in this 10 years that he was supposed to be nonstop searching, he also hung out with his nephew a fair bit to tell him stories. <laughs> and I think we're supposed to understand that he's now rich because he mined all that gold in that cave. I would imagine that would be where he got a lot of his wealth from, because there was a lot of gold in that cave. Oh, yeah, that was quite the vein. But that would take him a while <laughs> He was in hostile territory. <laughs> it's true. He didn't have, and he did not have a horse. And he didn't or have money. any mining equipment. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he went back to that general store and the guy's like, you haven't aged a day. I did like how they're like, oh yeah, you have to take care of my body in this tomb because if this dies, my copy dies. I'm curious how he figured that out. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that came out of left field. Because normally if you have a copy, like the copy's independent, really... What he's describing is more of like a hologram or something like that, where if you destroy like the original data, mm-hmm. the second copy would die. Yeah, it would be like sending a fax today, and then if you burned the original piece of paper, the the like the fax also got burned. Yeah. I also, it's been like ten years. Do we do we know what the average lifespan on Mars is? <laughs> like, yes. does he go back and she's like? I'm sorry, like, I have to run a kingdom, I had to remarry, John. <laughs> You've been gone for, you didn't even leave me a note, you know, you just disappeared. I, I think we're led to believe she would imagine he went back to Earth because he was lonely, but... I don't know, I, and again, it it just depends on how long he was on Mars that first time for, 
because I didn't necessarily get that a whole lot of time had passed between the wedding and that night. Yeah, I'd seen again. I have no idea. <laughs> it seemed like it was just that night. It was and, that night, or it was like it seemed to be soon after. But the way she talked made it seem like they had slept together enough that he had woken up and been restless. I guess that she would comment on it. But you're right; like, there's no indication how long he has been there. But if this, if there's very little time that has passed, and he zipped back to Earth, and Brian Cranston's a skeleton, maybe this is like a Chronicles of Narnia situation. Where a whole bunch of time passes on Earth and not that much time passes on Mars. So <laughs> I don't he, think that's could, how time he, necessarily works on Mars. Well, right? I mean, like, it's definitely not. But I don't, I don't know if that's what this movie is pausing. I'm, I mean, a Martian year does last longer than an Earth year. So I don't know if, if that's what they were trying to set up here. He could have been gone for ten years and zipped back, and only like a week and a half had passed. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I have no idea like it would make sense if he had been on mars for like a year or something to me but yeah we have we have no context on this all right christian let's do the Rotten tomatoes first because I, I would like to end on the budget uh do you know how this fared with critics uh critics gave this a 52 percent. audience gave it a 60 that's a lot higher than i was expecting to see for how like how much mockery this movie gets i mean this this movie was like People were calling this the modern water world of just flops. And you're right. Like, it it's, has a decent enough Rotten Tomato score. And I tend to agree with them. Like, it's not a horrible movie. No, it's just very, yeah, it's like you said. It's very generic. There's nothing right. really special about it. Yeah, like, it's an enjoyable enough watch. But it's definitely not like, I don't think it deserves all the mockery that it has gotten for being bad. It, for the box office, maybe. But for being bad, it's, like, fine. Uh, all right, I want to get into the budget on this. So the budget on this was $306.6 million. <laughs> Avengers, which also came out in 2012, $220 million budget. What? <laughs> Do you know what the budget for Avengers Infinity War was? No. Seven years later, $316 million. This movie cost almost as much as Infinity War? Yes. Oh, my God. And it was made, you know, what, seven years before Infinity War? I can't believe that this movie cost $80 million more million than the first Avengers. Yeah, do you want to know what his box office was? Yes. It was $284.1 million, so it actually did fairly good in the box office. It just had such a huge budget that it lost $22 million. My God, yeah, that's that's a shame. It came close. It came damn close to getting its budget back. It almost broke even. That's why I don't understand why people are saying, like, this is, like, monumentally, like, a flop. Like, I imagine in the past, you know, 10 years, there have been movies that have lost more than $22 million. For sure, yeah. Like, movies that we've watched for this show. (laughs) It's just, like, a crazy high budget. And you're right, it has to be all the CGI they did. Because, literally, the the entire cast, well, a, a, a... good percentage of the cast at least this movie had willem dafoe in it who never makes a real on-screen appearance it had john favreau who never makes a real on-screen appearance it had uh, mark strong who was all like makeuped up it had david schwimmer who never makes a real on-screen appearance like this is it was a big cast thomas hayden church is the the bad 
four-armed alien that gets decapitated. It had a big cast, just none of them show their faces. Yeah, such a such a weird movie. Uh, would you suggest our audience check this one out? I know I'm torn. I was I was going back and forth. Probably not. <laughs> I did like it back in 2012 when I watched it in theaters, and I remembered when you had suggested it for this week. I remembered it fondly, but it did not necessarily hold up the second time around. Yeah, I remember like being like, yeah, this movie is not that bad. And then when I rewatched it, and this is kind of the problem too, like I think we are watching these critically. If I had just been watching it and not like taking notes, I probably wouldn't noticed as many like flaws with this. That's fair. So I I think I would suggest someone check it out or at the very least like if you have been like, "Oh, I didn't watch this because I heard it was a flop, but it like the previews had interested me." I would check it out then. Like because it's not a it's not bad. It's just like bland agreed christian this past week you watched the netflix series warrior nun i've heard a lot of buzz about this on the internet but i've not watched it myself what is the premise of this i watched the crap out of warrior nun this show is crazy So the main character is a quadriplegic orphan girl in Spain. She's American and speaks with no accent, but she has lived in Spain since she was seven as an orphan. She she dies and is, in the first several minutes of the show, brought back from the dead inadvertently by receiving an angel's halo. What year, I guess roughly what time frame is this taking place in? Like, is this modern day? 2020. Okay. Everyone has cell phones. One of the nuns rides around on a motorcycle. So this girl's seven. So the star of this is a seven-year-old? No, I'm sorry. She was seven when she was orphaned. She's now okay. She's now 19. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, she... So 2007. She has, yeah, she has lived in, in Spain since she was seven until now when she's 19 and she has no accent she speaks perfect american english that's great as Uh, do so most of the nuns to be honest the premise of this is sounding great uh (laughs) what what kind of powers does she get like does she get powers from the halo yeah the the nuns form like a convent that's sworn to fight demons and one of them is called the halo bearer and she has an angel's halo inside her somewhere and so they put it in this dead body to try and hide it from demons and it it resurrects her and now she becomes the warrior nun and it gives her like a decent healing factor it gives her super strength and it gives her the ability to see the demons when they're on earth dude this this sounds like a comic oh yeah she can also phase through walls and it, it was a comic book originally. It's, it's okay. a Warrior Nun Ariella or something. Yeah, I was going to say, like, this definitely sounds like something, like some comic book, because the premise is just so crazy. Uh, do they, you said she becomes, like, the haloed one. Do they, they start training her as a demon hunter? They try to. There's a lot going on in this show. There's... The overarching plot is about like something shady is going on inside the church and some of the nuns are trying to get to the bottom of it. And so there's different factions 
Some of them just want to kill her and take the halo since she was never meant to have it originally. Some of them want to bring her in and train her because they say like the halo's never resurrected anyone before, so she must be the chosen one or something. But Ava, who's the girl, Ava really wants nothing to do with anything. She was a quadriplegic orphan, and the halo heals her, and so she can walk around and do all this stuff now, and all she wants to do is go like be a normal person out in the world. She has the John Carter syndrome. She doesn't want to take a side. That's right. Yeah, she just <laughs> wants to live her life. So it's a very typical... Uh, oh, God, I can't think of any words tonight. It's a very typical, like, reluctant hero story where somebody gets dropped into the middle of something that they want nothing to do with, and so they keep running away and hiding and have to be dragged back in. And so, like, the first half of this season is just about her trying to get away from the other nuns and go out and escape, and then eventually she has to kind of accept her fate. Uh, Is this... So I guess you say the first half of is is this serialized or is it more of an adventure of the week style show? It's very serialized. It's just about her her journey from place to basically around Spain until they get back to wherever they started. Uh, so she's the relic and hero. Do do you ever actually meet any demon she's fighting? It's interesting. A lot of people have compared this to Buffy, and the demons in Buffy were very campy. Like, they were all just makeup, and they looked like people with, like, alien features and stuff. In this, there's two kinds of demons, and neither one of them are, like, sentient. There's never a conversation that's going to happen with them. The one is called a wraith demon. They're, like, red clouds, and they can infect people and cause them to do bad things, but they can't really touch anything. And then the other one is the Terrasque, which is a much more classical, biblical demon, you know, horns and on fire and cloven hooves. But it can only live in our world for like five minutes at a time, and then it has to zap back to hell. So she, you, you said she's fighting these demons, but also the warrior nuns fight them. They, the warrior nuns, do they have halos in them as well, or are they just normal people? They're just normal people trained in like kung fu combat. Except for Shotgun Mary. Nunfu. Yeah, Shotgun Mary is one of the nuns, and she hasn't trained in combat. She just has two shotguns. (laughs) I mean, that's all you need to fight demons, I guess. Straight up, that's what she says. She says when you have two shotguns, you don't need combat training. (laughs) You'd think they'd save a lot of time and just buy, you know, a couple more shotguns. (laughs) The other thing is there's this, like, holy metal. Uh, It's called Divinium, which is silly on its face. But it's... (laughs) The, this it it's like a Lord of the Rings medal, right? So they have a sword made out of divinium, and when the halo bearer is nearby, it glows. And divinium is the only thing that can kill demons. So all of their weapons are like dipped in divin. They're like divinium plated, and their crossbow bolts have divinium tips and things. And I guess Mary's shotgun, like buckshot, is little balls of divinium because they they glow whenever uh, Ava is nearby. You, like after they kill the demons, they're they're digging them out. They're like, can't waste this. Straight up, yeah, they they definitely go back and get all their arrows that they shoot. I'm glad that they think about those things because that <laughs> would take me out of the experience. It's yeah, it's a very weird show, cover to cover. But I got fully sucked into it. I watched it in one day. Are there any big name people in this? Not at all. The. The Cardinal is somebody I've seen before, but I 
have no idea what his name is, and I don't think I could name anything else he was in. Uh, but it's he's definitely a face I've seen before. He, you know what? He may have been the drug lord that they steal the vault from in Fast Five. Oh, really? I huh. think that might be him. But none of the nuns are famous faces. The priest that's in charge of the convent isn't a famous face. The the there's also a weird subplot where there's a woman trying to like make a door to heaven using science and so there's a weird science and religion conflict none of none of her team is famous hmm. uh how many episodes is this there's 10 of them and they just came out on this this past week on the second oh man <laughs> yeah you did burn through these brand like, new um... <laughs> Did, uh, are, are these 45 minute episodes? Yeah, just about. Okay. Yeah, I might check this out. It sounds pretty cool. It sounds like something that would be up my alley. Like, I know we have talked about shows that have been turned into, like, com- I guess comics that have been turned into shows like, um, Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. But they've, like, those sound interesting enough, but I've never been like, oh, I actually kind of want, I really actually might go watch this. Uh, this sounds right up my alley though i really like um i think it's called like urban fantasy styled stuff like modern day mm-hmm. magic and that kind of stuff so this this does sound pretty this cool. will definitely scratch that itch for sure because it is very modern everybody's walking around with cell phones and cars and things but then all of a sudden like a demon will materialize and all their swords start to glow and stuff uh, do you think they're setting up for a second season or does is this like a self-contained season oh man if i don't get a second season of this i'm gonna burn it down this ends on one of the biggest cliffhangers I've ever seen. There's wow. a lot of unanswered questions. There's basically no question that gets raised in this. This, except for one, gets answered. There, it it poses way more questions than it actually deals with. Uh, if you had to choose this or Outer Banks, who you got? Ooh, warrior none. <laughs> Outer Banks was you... Outer Banks was a fun excursion, but every single character in that show was an idiot. Everybody in Warrior <laughs> Nun is so badass. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has this. It's it's still brand new, so I'm surprised there's anything. But it's got an 80% critic, 78% audience. Uh, I would probably go higher, <laughs> but that's so. This is a strong recommend. Yeah, you. that's a much higher score on Rotten Tomatoes than I was ever expecting to see. All right, guys, thanks for checking out our show. Before we head out, Christian, what have you either been watching or you're planning to watch this upcoming week? I honestly, I might watch Warrior Nun again. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be totally honest <laughs> with you, but otherwise, there's a documentary on hbo now for the book i'll be gone in the dark which is about the golden state killer and uh, michelle mcnamara the author who wrote the book that ended up getting him caught like 40 years after the fact so i i got pretty sucked into that the other day there's only i think two episodes out right now of the six so i'll i'll get caught up on the one that i've missed otherwise i think i'm gonna start a different hbo show which is called i may destroy you which uh, I've heard nothing but outstanding things about. Cool. Um, for me, I accidentally um, ordered Stars for a month. <laughs> <laughs> I signed up so I could watch one movie, and then I did not cancel my subscription, so I have that now. 
Uh, so I watched Spider- Spider-Man Far From Home, and I actually really liked it. It's the first Marvel movie I've watched since um, Endgame came out over a year ago. Far From Home is one of my favorite Marvel movies. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I like. I didn't hear. Well, I mean, I, I guess I talked to you about it, and you liked it. But for the rest of the internet, I got like more or less like felt lackluster vibes from it. Like they're like, yeah, it's okay. And I wonder if people like me were just Marvel movied out at that point, mm-hmm. and especially like coming out a month or two after Endgame. I could see that. Um, but I I really liked it. And I, I do want to talk to you about it off off of this because we're running out of time. Um, I also finished Altered Carbon Season 2, which was awesome. I want to get reviews for those up here in hopefully the next week or so. Um, And because I have stars now on my list is Jumanji, the the second Jumanji, I I don't know its technical name, and Bloodshot, the new Vin Diesel movie. (laughs) Bloodshot. I'm excited. I mean, it was $20 when it came out, and stars was like $8, so I feel like the way to watch it is to get stars. Yeah, it's a good deal. paid for itself with one movie yeah so I'm, I'm excited to watch those and that's that's all i'm going to be watching this week nice all right guys thanks for checking out our episode if you would like to contact us we're at gambots network on twitter or we are uh, gambots.blog at gmail.com if you want to email us if you have a suggestion for the Amazon review game, please send it and we will probably end up using it. Otherwise, we now have a website, gambotsnetwork.com, where we're putting reviews up and things like that. So uh, it's it's stuff we either talk about on the show or we haven't got around to. So if you would like some more takes from us, those are there. And finally, if you're listening somewhere where you can rate and subscribe, we'd appreciate it as it does help with uh, advertising. Otherwise, thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you. Thank you.